1: plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to Wood Talk, crafting artisanal sawdust since 2007. Now, here are your hosts, Mark, Shannon, and Mad. Nothing but the best artisanal sawdust. That's right. You heard it here first. Uh, Wood Talk number 377 for April 24th, 2017. On today's show, we're talking about trimming a frame flush to a top a thousand canker disease and selling your old tools. Before we get to that, let's thank a few folks who helped us out specifically on Patreon. That's patreon.com woodtalk. We'd like to thank Niles Kretsch, John Sodorviska. That's pretty good, right? I practiced that I'm one sure too. That's, that's got to be accurate. Uh uh-huh, I'm pretty it. sure it is. Uh, Alicia <laughs> Alicia Bramlett and Preston Norris, thank you so much folks for helping us out. We appreciate the support. And if you want to help out too, have your name mentioned at the top of the show like that, just go to patreon.com slash woodtalk, see all the different ways that you could help out and help support the show, keep the things going. Uh, someone even wrote in and said that you guys got to sell it harder, like a, a little bit more of a PBS style campaign because they're on the oh, fence. Shit. They really want to help, but they feel like they need to be guilted into oh, it. My. Okay, and here's what we're going to do. But they just
0: want a tote bag.
1: Right, and look, (laughs) here's what it comes down to. Uh, Cremona's son just had surgery. Uh, oh my god (laughs) oh no oh no (laughs) can can i keep going with this because i think this is going to end up in a really good place
0: (laughs) we we need some we need some music for that medical
1: bills are expensive my wife was just in the hospital for five days and guess what we found out that the insurance like isn't covering hardly any of it so that's 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 a problem that's a problem uh shannon's shannon's dog he likes greenies and those are expensive.
0: <laughs> yeah. Right? I just got a $2,700 uh, uh, dental surgery bill that apparently insurance won't cover. So mm-hmm. yeah.
1: Gotta love that stuff. So yeah, I mean, we're we're I, clear, got, we're clearly suffering here, folks. And the only way we can get out of this hole we've dug ourselves into uh, just by living our lives is if you yeah. go to patreon.com slash woodtalk. <laughs> oh, I love that. God. Just by living our lives. <laughs> Mark has to cut his own grass, for God's sake, people. I had to cut my grass this week. And and do you realize how much work that is? Oh, I'm, I'm from I'm from Arizona. I don't I don't understand what grass is. And then I'm I'm I responsible for cutting. That's why you had it. kids was to specifically. I don't care. Mateo can walk. Right, I'm going to push that thing. But then he's going to Maybe. injure himself, and then medical bills. we were, we're full circle again. Tell him to walk it off. <laughs> Rub some dirt on it, kid. All right. Well, I'll tell you what. We are very bad at guilting people. You know what? You want to help out? We love it. If you don't, we still enjoy the fact that you listen to the show. That's all we can ask. And uh, you know what? Welcome back, Cremona. I don't mean to make a joke of your son. I'm glad to hear that he's- <laughs> Even though I just did. <laughs> even though I just did at your family's expense. But no, seriously, I followed oh. along with everything. I'm glad he's doing well. I assume everybody's happy and healthy at this point? Everyone's good.
2: It's been- It was a- uh... It was a rough day. I can only imagine. For sure. Um, I, I think like it was bad. Like the whole like, time leading up to it was definitely like that. Like in the literature, that whole like the climax, the rising action to the climax. Yeah. The climax was the moment they take your child from you Ugh. and bring it back the surgery. Mm. That, that was a bad one.
1: I, the only thing I can compare it to is Mateo had ear tubes put in. Very quick outpatient procedure, but it doesn't matter as a parent. Someone taking your child away to do a procedure and you have no influence other than just sitting in a waiting room. Like that's that's difficult. And for you guys, you know that's major surgery. So um, I'm just glad everything worked out.
2: Yeah, went uh, went great. And then like happiest moment is like when like wheel him into his little room and you're sitting right there and he's in the he's up smiling and kicking <laughs> back and stuff. to normal, and, like, right? Like they didn't even notice. Like I've got uh, someone like cut a hole in my back and stuck a tube in me, and yeah, uh, yeah
1: I'm happy. It's all good. Ain't Where's no my goldfish? I'm a Cremona. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Walk it off. Where's my logs, yo? <laughs> <laughs> well, good man. We're glad to have you back on the show. We really missed you last week. It was uh, it was about thirty-three yeah, percent less hairy than usual. <laughs> it it took you being gone for a week, Matt,
0: for me to say I
2: love you, man. Whoa, oh, man. There it is. Oh. the oh, moment you've been man. waiting for, Matt. <laughs> Sprung it on you. Uh, my son's you old enough, I can thank him for this moment.
1: There you go. Exactly. <laughs> Fantastic. All right. So let's get into what's on the bench, get into the meat and potatoes of the show. I am still working on my chair, really, not a whole lot to update on. I started cutting the legs, but uh, the weekend is like all about house and family and yard work. And I don't get anything done on Mondays because it's like prepped for the show and next thing you know we're recording. It's two o'clock and the day is pretty much over. So I haven't done anything new with it but I do have the the rear legs are are what I'm working on now. Cut all the mortises while the pieces are nice and uh, square and straight. And then I get to cut all the fun little curves out and see if this thing that I drew even looks remotely attractive in reality. (laughs) We'll find out. (laughs) I'll have to let you guys know. So that's really about it uh, for me. What do you got going on, Shannon? Um,
0: do you guys ever like, you have like a go to tool? It's like, uh, this is a problem. Oh, it's going to be kind of difficult. Oh, I'll just grab this tool and kind of, you've either got a favorite chisel or plane or fancy multi router, <laughs> something like that. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. One of those. I, I needed to shape, um, molding across some ingrain, grain and it was just a situation where none of my planes would work it was it was difficult grain situation needed to be handled really uh, delicately so i grabbed a a scribing gouge i've got a bunch of them some you may have heard of them as in cannel gouges Um, i've got a bunch of them floating around because there was a while there where i was looking for crank neck chisels and i would get like on an ebay thing i'd get a crank neck chisel and a lot of like six scribing gouges you know mm-hmm. you, you'd pay the 12 bucks to get the crank neck chisel and get a bunch of other stuff and kind of throw it in, in a toolbox and i kind of always knew in kennel gouges slash scribing gouges were pattern maker tools but i never really paid them much credence because i never really had a need for it mm-hmm. well i grabbed this thing and i thought you know this will help me got to cut across the end grain and help me essentially transfer the pattern that i have now to go cool. <laughs> That's awesome, Sergeant Slaughter. And Roddy, That's Roddy for Piper. the chat room.
1: Sorry, I, I didn't think it would interrupt you. <laughs> you can't, so when, you can't throw a
0: WWF cup up. Yeah, front someone asked
1: and, what was on my cup, and I just wanted to show it. <laughs> anyway, nice. this was
0: a perfect opportunity to pull one of the things things out, sharpen it, get it restored. Where have you been all my life? These things are awesome. Yeah. Like, I mean, pattern makers' tools in general. You know, talk about being able to create really, really precise models and things like that. Um, they're just, I've got like six of them now that I need to go and, and sharpen up because I can't imagine where else I could use these things. They're just mm-hmm. one of those great tools that's kind of multifunction or really allows you to kind of fine tune a difficult spot. So yeah, um, I'm in love with Matt, but then also with my scribing gouges.
1: <laughs> <laughs> scribing gouges and Shannon sitting in the tree. Oh, that you know how really, the rest goes. <laughs> really pathetic.
2: <laughs> uh, Matt, what about you? I had a pretty good week. You know what? I think I'm going to lead off here with a quick review of the Wood Whisperer thread tabs because Mark doesn't want to sell them. <laughs> and right. I Do used it for them me, last week for the first time. Nice. I have to say, those are pretty slick. Yeah. Like, like really slick. Like, I, You know, I can see people saying like, Do you, you have know, it doesn't... No, Mark was too cheap to send me the metric ones. <laughs> no, I was too cheap to even send you the
1: final version. You have, like, the prototypes. They're actually a slightly different dimension, so I'm glad you like them because they're going to get better.
2: <laughs> oh. oh, you always got to interrupt me. Sorry.
1: <laughs> it was Shannon's fault.
2: Yeah, I'll take it. I had this whole thing rehearsed in my head, and now it's gone. Okay, go ahead. Start over. I can't. It's anyway, it's... No, I found them really to be really uh really slick and really easy to use and just like it made like sure you can use a regular metal tap to do the same thing. But I tell you what, the user experience on those things is like I don't even know, like so much higher than yeah, using good. a metal tap. So much you know, too good. And, okay. <laughs> I'm talking guys. <laughs> okay, sorry. Trying to do a we just can't here. we
1: can't stop. That's the that's the problem. We like to
0: talk over you know. here. Uh, but but we're seeing the evolution of Matt. He used to let us talk over him. Now he's just like, shut up. Yeah, he's yelling
1: at us when we do it.
2: it only <laughs> and because like so fast. You're gonna derail me so much, and then like all the things that I was gonna, I was planning on saying, are not gonna get said. And I'm gonna be kicking myself afterwards. Thinking, I didn't he's, say half the things I wanted to say. You just to have say. to
1: learn to keep going. Like just because and we Mark's talk, you're gonna stop. achieve
2: world domination in the tap market, and it's just all gonna so come crazy. from there. You Seriously,
1: know? Matt's trying to help you out here. Okay, man. all shut right. Up. I'll shut up. I'll shut up. I have a banana. Should I just eat it? <laughs> Should I eat my banana and shut up? As, okay, go as
2: ahead. As long as you don't try and eat it in yeah, any kind of like me. sensual way while I'm trying to talk about it. Oh, this. I figure that would be
1: dude, one of the most dude, disgusting to things to listen to. Go ahead. Don't let me
2: distract I'm not you. By saying that
1: he's going to do it now, right, Matt?
2: Yeah, well, I figured he would. So the chat room would be happy at <laughs> oh, least. I'm peeling it very slowly. Oh, oh man. Look at you want to dress in that banana. Look at that. Oh, oh. yeah. <laughs> this is incredible. And, and
0: people said that woodworking would never work in audio format. See? They finally are right. There you go.
1: All right, go ahead. Just but get on with links. the show here.
2: All right. So the other thing well, I want to mention What did you about tap, Matt? Taps. I tapped a half inch hole for the bed to hold the rails to the posts. Um half inch diameter um, bolt or whatever, mm-hmm. thirteen threads per inch. And I went down over two inches. So I have two inches of threads in that post for that rail to connect to. And that's uh that might have been a little overkill, but I had <laughs> I had the space to do it. And one of the advantages of those thread taps is you can get pretty deep. And even that, like, maybe that's like halfway to like the full depth that they can go, mm-hmm. which is like oh. mind bogglingly crazy. Yeah. And when I the first one I did, I was like, I'm so used to using like regular taps in the drill. I'm like, I gotta go all slow and kind of like ease into it all, whatever, which is kind of true for a tap that size. Cause you're removing a lot of material to cut those threads. But like, as I got more comfortable with it, I'm like, zip,
1: zip, zip. <laughs> right. Yeah. You realize you, you can get go on. a lot faster.
2: Yeah, you can go pretty fast. And the other nice thing about those taps that they would whisper taps is that they're like the bottoming taps. So you can tap all the way to the bottom of the blind hole. Whereas most of the taps you buy, like the hardware store, they're um, I think they're called plug taps, where like they won't cut threads all the way to the bottom.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So maybe that matters, maybe doesn't. In my case, it was kind of a nice little touch. But I have yeah, to you say that they like, usually have some hey, sort of hey, taper shh, to make it easier yes. to
0: start or whatever. Yeah,
2: so what is the,
0: the what's the toe or the start? of the whisper tap like is it is it because that taper usually makes it easier to start straight doesn't it
2: yeah i didn't find there was so much of a difference though because the 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 whisper taps has a little bit of a of like a chamfer on the on the first thread so it actually starts pretty easy and it starts following the hole the other thing with the the tapping in the wood is you're drilling like i found out that mark told me like you drill a smaller diameter hole than you normally would for steel so you're actually like there's not a whole lot of room for you to like, go off of the the hole. Are you really going right. to follow it? That th- that thing's going to follow that hole directly because you're just, yeah, you're not gonna you really only course. have clearance for <laughs> the shank and not the actual thread cutters. Right. If
0: you Which start just, with a crooked hole, you only have yourself to blame. Yes. Well, yes. Yeah. You drill As good. always.
1: <laughs> you idiot. Can't you drill straight? Yeah, and that's kind of the premise behind the modification that we decided to make to undersize things a little bit because you know when you're talking about metal into wood, the game is different and if you just follow the same dimensions that are uh, normally intended for like metal to metal or plastics, it's you're you're sort of just leaving too much room there. So we can actually leave more wood into the hole and in the threads and the whole thing just becomes a little bit more stronger and secure at least, you know, it's kind of what we're banking on at this point.
0: I ran into that when I made that tool rest a couple weeks ago. The depth thing was a real issue. Mm -hmm. Like I could barely get an inch deep before well, first of all, it was really clogging up on me. It was constantly like half a turn and then backing it out. But you're right, Matt. The, um, first of all, it wouldn't go all the way to the bottom. So like I had to end up – the pilot hole ended up having to be like a half inch longer mm-hmm. just to get the depth of thread I wanted. But then like the the tap itself actually swells into the shank. So maybe I just had crappy taps. I don't know. I picked them up at <laughs> Lowe's or something. Crappy taps. So you, <laughs> crappy tap. So yeah, once you get past the threads, you're kind of SOL. You can't go any deeper. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, cool. That's good nice. to hear, man. And this is for the yeah. bed project, right? Uh, yeah. So big, big. I mean, that's the thing. You've got the best case scenario uh, for tapping threads in a wood situation. The the bigger the bolt. Uh, the deeper the hole, the the stronger the whole thing's gonna be. So you kind of gave it its best possible scenario, which is good.
2: Yeah, and the nice thing about this is like there's no uh, exposed hardware from the outside. So like most bed bolts, you have to have a hole that goes through, or the bolt goes through the leg. And you can mm-hmm. see from the outside. I didn't really want that. I think that would have kind of ruin the look I was going for. So it's you know totally invisible, and it's all on the inside, and it's not going to go anywhere. Nice. I, I I have to say though that I did do. I had the uh, the ledger where the the mattress support boards sit on. Mm-hmm. I, I tapped the holes for the bolts that hold that to the rails, and I used the Core 20 tap for that. That thing is a joke after you use the half-inch tap. <laughs> yeah. You're like, what is this dinky little thing? Oh, yeah. It's so Manu's tiny, grill. right?
1: It's so tiny. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's hard to believe. It. it doesn't look like it's a quarter-inch, but it actually is.
2: then that one, you're like, it's like no resistance. You just... Just go right in. No yeah. problem. As fast as you want. It was, a f- I, I was actually having fun. Like I enjoyed tapping holes in the sawmill project. I actually enjoyed the process. I found it pretty therapeutic. I enjoyed tapping threads and wood with these things. It was just fun. <laughs> yeah. Like, Oh look, instant hole. Yeah. I think mostly because I know how much work it is to tap steel.
1: Right. Yeah. And like, It's totally like, different is, in wood. This
2: is a joke. <laughs>
1: yeah. It can't be this easy. <laughs> you know?
0: <laughs> yeah. It's cool. Well, the man. bed, the bed came out great. It's very um Flintstone
2: esque. Yeah, it, <laughs> it does have like kinda that chunky kind of feel. I I'm, I'm really happy with the way it turned out. Like it was definitely like a experimentation project for me and I didn't have any idea like I kinda I had a very small idea of how it would turn out in the end, but I really let the wood kind of decide the overall design and uh, the final thing and all that. And um over the weekend, it was at the Northern Wood Show, which is a show put on by the Minnesota Woodworkers Guild. It was on display there for what, four days. Yeah, four days. Mm-hmm. And um, a lot of people stopped by that like might like follow me on social media or something. They're like, oh, I saw your bed. It looks awesome in person. And it was really cool to hear that from people. That people actually went there to see it. Like, that was their, their goal, was to see that bed.
1: Was it, was it in the mall?
2: Cool. Yeah, just in the mall, like like in the atrium, like yeah. where a couple of the hallways all meet together. You sure they weren't well, just they there were, for the Orange
1: Julius? I was going to say, they Not were going him. to Sam
2: Goody anyway. I
1: so. <laughs> oh, love it. <laughs> that's like what the, hold on, let me he Google might. Sam Goody. Hold on. What's this, what is this? Records, okay, let me Google records. <laughs> 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 well, that's awesome, man. I saw some of the pictures, and I guess you, and was, um oh, what's his name, uh, Charlie? Charlie? Was he there as well? Because I think I saw he was posting some stuff on Instagram
2: too. Yeah, he had a uh, he did a picture frame and mat out of wood. So he had a okay. picture, then he had the matting out of uh, I forgot what it was, but it was some really straight green clear stuff, and then mm. he had like I think it was a peely frame around that with some kind of I think it was an ebony inlay or something. But it was really that was a really cool thing. Charlie is actually the one who organizes the whole show. Really, so a big a big like I can't imagine organizing that. He's the the chairman of that whole like committee that does that show. And it's mm-hmm. a lot of stuff to pull off. He did a great job. He does a great job every year. And this year is definitely no different. So thank you, cool. Charlie for all yeah, that.
1: That's great. I mean, it seems like even just getting that venue to be okay with, with doing something like that has to be, you know, kind of difficult.
2: Yeah. Like we they've been there for three or four years now and wow. it's been really good. Although I found out that, uh, they don't allow video oh, okay. at the show. Really? So, uh, yeah, yeah. What's they, the point of that, yeah, I think, I went in a little hard this year with my actual camera, and uh, like I took it out right away. And the security was like, "Nope." So I was there that's on weird. Sunday with my cell phone. Everyone else was taking pictures on their phones. So I'm like, all right, <laughs> here we go. So I'll, I didn't get as much good footage as I had hoped for. I was like, "Oh, mm-hmm. I'll bring like my, my tripod, I'll do a little video, and like talk about it." Nah, nope. <laughs> so that's all right. We'll see. You should tell happens. the security guard, but it's my piece. I even said that. I'm like I'm, I'm just taking pictures of the stuff in the show I'm in the show like doesn't matter be wow. permission ahead of time but so that was uh, I was a fun weekend I don't know That's I nice. definitely recommend if anyone has the opportunity to submit your work into a show like that it's a fantastic experience especially if you have the opportunity to have a show where it's actually judged uh, like this one was you can elect to have your piece judged Just really interested in get some uh I'll, let's go with like honest criticism or something along those lines <laughs> because mm-hmm. You don't usually get that, like from that person's viewpoint person's viewpoint, that is like an actual, like established, I don't know, person woodworker person, <laughs> you know, established has,
1: like, human beings.
2: Established. <laughs> what is that word? What's that? Oh, vetted. You know, vetted. Oh there's yes, little... our favorite word. <laughs> oh, yeah. We know all about vetting. <laughs> oh, no, that's great! Great experience. Definitely check it out. If anyone, uh, if anyone has a show in their area, they want to submit something to their show. It's it's fun. Nice. So hold up. So what kind of feedback did you get? Um, Yeah, seriously. I have the sheets. They're upstairs. It wasn't anything too spectacular. One guy said the headboard felt or the footboard felt a little high. Um, And then the compliments were good job on the thick stock glue up for legs. That's usually pretty difficult. Looks pretty good. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: That's
1: boring. I was expecting someone to be like this size.
0: This is just just set set that up and just fail to deliver, Matt.
2: You know what? I didn't. I didn't say I had. I personally had experience with good feedback. Oh, I see. There's the opportunity for it.
0: (laughs) Right there, you go. (laughs) He's got a point, though. I mean, the the way (laughs) for a while, like the internet was the wild west. And now I think we've we've gained a little bit of decorum, and now everybody's even afraid to offer feedback. <laughs> so now it's like, oh, that looks great, you know, because they don't even want to say I would do this because then they're afraid that they'll get jumped on for trolling or whatever. So yeah, well, that's the problem. It's <laughs> this like feedback is good
1: dichotomy of like BS feedback, like the pat on the back kind of thing, and then the people who are just playing a holes, and that seems like <laughs> yeah. there's no middle ground with that anymore. It's weird. That's true. All right, let's get into what's new. Got some stuff to share with you here. So Brandon wrote in. He says, Hey Mark, Matt, and Shannon. Sorry Shannon, I just can't get the pre-Mona intro out of my brain. Between suffering through Sunday with a migraine and between naps, I stumbled upon a YouTube channel labeled simply Dorian Brock or Brocked. Uh, So we'll put that link in the notes for you guys. It's just a guy doing some crazy complicated joinery uh, for no other reason than to do some crazy, complicated joinery, uh, <laughs> I thought you guys might find it entertaining. For me, just another reason to say I'm not worthy. Love well, the show, keep up the shenanigans. P.S. I'm still curious to know how vinegar pie tastes. So am I.
2: Still I'm haven't not tasted curious. it. I am no curiosity.
1: <laughs> I hope it's tart and delicious.
2: <laughs> Have you guys
0: checked out that channel before?
1: Tart and delicious? No, I don't. I'm not allowed to watch that anymore.
0: <laughs> well, that's that's on a. <laughs> It's on red tube, I think. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) No, he's right. It's a very, very good channel. There's some cool stuff on there.
1: Cool. Excellent. (laughs) Yeah. I should have previewed it before talking about it, but Uh, I I did not. I trusted Brandon is what that's about.
0: I see. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, speaking of not vetting something before the show, I'm <laughs> quickly trying to
1: pull up a link, and I'm about to. Talk I saw about. this one. I could tell you what it's about. Oh wait, yeah, okay, I did see yeah. this. Okay, I shared that on um, Facebook.
0: This was. Uh, this is from Rene. Yeah, he says what I like to call the slab bender. <clears throat> this is um, what is the Sovereign Hill Museum? Yes, the Living Australia, History right? Museum in the Wheelwright Shop, and these guys are doing bends timber bins, steam bending but mm-hmm. this is not steam bending like you think with a nice little happy windsor chair bow this is like <laughs> a four by four bent basically back on itself and it imagine making a wheel and bending it completely around itself it's pretty impressive but it's cool because it's a um you think living history museum and i immediately go to like williamsburg like you know, pre-industrial age, this is a, what, Defiance machine from the 1890s. So very much in that kind of cool steampunk era, like where my Barnes lathe comes from. Mm-hmm. So machinery was good. Machinery is great. Let's bend stuff, you know, big stuff. Um, it's, it's worth checking out. I've actually been to a couple customers, um, like chairmaking customers we sell to, that use, like, the modern equivalents of this. Like some of the modern steam bending stuff, and it's just ridiculous. Mm. Like you see them pull out this four-quarter, eight-quarter board, just stick it in this press, and you know, nine hundred thousand newtons of force <laughs> comes down on top of it, and it's just kind of okay, there's your bent chair back. You know, well, aren't you gonna steam it first? Steam? What's that? No, we're just gonna <laughs> apply enough pressure and enough support. You know, if you've got the exact form supporting everything and they, they put like, um, they do this in this video too, where there's some sort of, um, like a, a form they put on top of it that provides full support on the outside of the curb where the fibers might split. And it, it's the same thing today, you know, but they don't even bother with the steam. They just throw it in the press and go to town. Crazy, pretty sweet.
1: It just looks like it shouldn't be possible. At that thickness, no matter how long you steam it, it should not be possible. It should just break, but it doesn't. (laughs) It's pretty awesome. I watched it, and I was
2: slabbergasted. Slabbergasted.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yes. All right. Go ahead, Matt. I'm going to eat my banana now.
2: All right. Eat your banana.
1: Don't get too excited.
2: Too late. All right. (laughs) Oh, boy. Oh, we have a good vibe going today. All right. (laughs) Next one is from Andrew. (laughs) I was sent this news story from a friend of mine. I know Mr. Cremona may have heard of this already being in his neck of the woods. Stories like this reminds me how awesome the woodworking community is. This is a a tool library where they just opened it, I think, uh, I think it was like a year ago or something. And like they were planning on having like, having to take donations for at least a year but one guy donated like all the tools they could ever need um it's a really good story he um him and his wife had to move into assisted living so they couldn't keep all of his stuff there so he donated all his tools to the shop and he actually goes there i think pretty much every day and he's helping out with the people that are there uh, building things on the tools that he used to use so it's a really really great story and I know we talk a lot about or we've spoken about like makerspaces before, but tool libraries is another kind of unique thing that uh, beginners might have access to. If they don't have their own tools, they can actually check tools out of the library and use them at home if they they need to do that too. So another option for beginners, I guess.
1: Nice. Cool. Can't beat that. Okay. You got some kickback here. Uh, Shannon, did you want to take that first one or? Sure. Okay. And I'll take the next Uh, one.
0: This is from Brandon. No, sorry. It's from Charlie. Um, he says, uh, these toggle bolts are the only way to go. Why aren't they all made this way? He's referring to my track lighting installation and my toggle bolt saga. And it is funny because I've gotten a number of comments like this on across social media about, you know, you should try this toggle bolt or this toggle bolt. And everyone's right. Like there are so many better, designs for toggle bolts and drywall (laughs) anchors than what they sell standard with track, track lighting. Or with probably most stuff that comes with the toggle bolt or whatever. So, I don't know. I guess the manufacturers are still too cheap to use the good quality stuff. And I guess I was too cheap to Sacrifice the stuff that came with it and go buy something new so anyway, he included a, an Amazon link to a toggler snap toggle is what it's called and um there's a couple of designs like this, but he's right. it's so much easier it allows one person you know you don't have to have six hands to to install the stuff what so makes them better what what's the the deal with those? Be, because they actually um, snap into place um and you can because the big issue was with the the toggle you have to thread it through the track first because the toggle's got to be on the other side of the track. This actually will go into the ceiling, and then you can actually hold the track in place and then set the bolt through,
1: Hmm, whereas you
0: actually had to thread the toggle onto the bolt, so it has to be threaded through the track, and then you have to snap the toggles up through the ceiling. Well, the track only bends so much, so depending on how close the the mounting hole is Mm -hmm. to the connection, sometimes it doesn't actually bend enough flex enough to actually get the toggle bolt into place. This actually will slot up into the ceiling. And then it's got one of those like threaded things. You've seen those drywall anchors that actually you screw into the wall and it actually threads into the drywall. This has that at the bottom of it. So you're actually installing the whole toggle assembly into the ceiling first and then just screwing in almost like you put a threaded insert in or something like that. Mm. Uh, But it's also got a, a toggle on top of it that tightens down for greater Surface area support on the backside. Nice. Um, click on the link, you'll see it. It's it's kind of obvious when you look at it. It's also kind of like why, why don't they make this now? Why do these other ones? Why are ones they still all exist? like this? Yeah. Yeah. It's like it's like going to the hardware store and buying like you know snub pointed screws instead of pointed screws.
1: What is it? The eighteen hundreds? Come <laughs> on. <laughs> okay. Cool. Thank you for that clarification. Oh. All right. So we've got two other pieces of feedback. This was in reference to. Something not everyone heard. This was from the email extra. Uh, Shannon and I were having a discussion about lighting and his preference for sort of a a darker lit situation with just focused lighting on what he's doing and and my preference for a very light and bright environment. So he threw that out to everyone and said, hey, do you have an opinion on this? We'd be curious to hear what you like and, and what kind of tools you use. So Jeff Thomas wrote in, he says, let there be light on my work surface. I'm a hand tool guy and like my space well lit, which is not difficult in my diminutive shop as for the getting high thing, oh God, I forgot about it. That was bad, by the way. Yeah. That was really bad. The music was way too loud. I couldn't get it any quieter in the editing, so <laughs> people who had to sit through that, my apologies. <laughs> uh, we played a song in the background through the whole show, and it just was not not a smart idea. So anyways, uh, James it Wright- <laughs> It was fun at the time. It was fun at the time. We had a good time. That's really all that matters, isn't it? Yeah. Great. James Wright wrote in and says, uh, for video, all lights on- for me, time focus. Uh, for me, time focus. The lighting, uh, keep it no more than needed. Put on the soothing music. All hand tools. So that's uh, James Wright from Wood by Wright.
0: Yeah, that's that's the Barry White style of work. Woodward. That's right. Oh yeah. Yep.
1: Have a glass of wine. Sit there and romance yourself. All right. Eat a banana. Eat a banana. Any <laughs> way you want, from the bottom <laughs> up, top down, oh, whatever it takes. Oh boy. <laughs> all right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're disgusting Matt You disgust me Let's get to something wholesome now See you know how
2: boring the show was last week It was all these totally Banana jokes Totally boring
1: Speaking of boring Ooh, <laughs> ah. Shannon's Lumber
2: Industry update Ooh, ah,
1: you got Shannon
2: more
0: bad news I'm afraid Uh, we have no one to blame but ourselves for this one Um, a new tariff has been passed on import plywood specifically Chinese plywood now you may be thinking I don't buy that Chinese crap you (laughs) might be surprised you might actually be buying Chinese crap plywood because the fact of the matter is Chinese plywood a lot of it is still crap but they've actually gotten a heck of a lot better See, when the Chinese first entered the market, it was like, well, we're going to set the market and try to make like a $20 panel. And they did. And everybody freaked out because it's suddenly really, really cheap. And then they realized, wow, this is total crap. So then the Chinese said, well, we can make it better. What's the price point you want us to hit? So slowly but surely, the import plywood has been getting a lot better. Now, you can still go to Home Depot and buy the worst panels on the planet from China. But you might be surprised that some of that quality plywood you're buying, I'm air quotes for those that are on the, watching the video, the quality plywood might actually be import and might actually be from China. You can find 50, 55, even $60 panels coming out of Chinese mills. So when I say there is a tariff of an additional 10% on Chinese plywood, don't dismiss it because you may find that all your plywood is going to start going up 10%. Technically it's 9.89%. Thank you. U S department of commerce. But here's the issue <clears throat> There are certain Chinese mills that basically just thumb their noses at the U.S. Department of Commerce says, nah, we're not going to participate in this. So the U.S. Department of Commerce said, well, screw you guys. And they <laughs> threw a 111% tariff on top of those mills. Well, maybe. So some of this plywood is significantly more expensive. Now, let's be real. Those mills probably weren't terribly big to begin with. Most of your larger importers are probably not doing business with them. But there is next month in May coming a countervailing tariff from the U.S. Department of Congress, Commerce that will probably put another 50 to 60 percent tariff on import plywood. So, yeah, we did this four years ago and plywood prices went to the roof, both import and domestic, because I compare it to the gas station thing. The gas station across the street raises their prices. So the one directly across the room raises his prices because mm-hmm. You know, well, you know, he's slightly under he's seven tenths of a cent underneath, but he's still cheaper. We saw the same thing happen. The domestic producers raised their prices kind of to keep the difference the same. You know, so if they had a gap of twenty dollars. They kept the gap twenty dollars. So if the Chinese plywood went up ten. All the domestic guys went up ten to keep that market gap the same. So we expect to see that happen. We expect to see plywood increase all across the board. But the scary thing is most people saw this coming. And because the tariff is retroactive for 90 days, people just stop buying like at the beginning of the year. And they've been rationing out their current stock, waiting to see what's going to happen with the tariff in May. Well, the problem is there's this huge buying gap going on. And plywood, you know, it, it, you, it grows faster than, than trees, granted. But if you haven't been buying for three months and now suddenly you're running out of inventory and you've got to buy at the new stock price, there's going to be shortages in the supply demand chain. So the price is going to go up even further. So, yay, more good news. Plywood's going to get expensive. Mm. So, yeah, you might want to buy wood. it. Solid wood. Only solid now. wood. Yeah, There we go. Get yourself <laughs> your a uh-huh. cup slab. <laughs> <laughs> right. I don't have it queued up, so don't, don't even try. There we go. Stay tuned. We'll see what happens in May. We really have no idea where the tariff's going to come down. At the same time, four months after the tariff was passed four years ago, it got voted down by the International Trade Commission because what they say is, well – you may think you're protecting American producers by in, in putting a tariff on foreign producers, but what you're doing is just making it cheaper for people in Europe to build the same kitchen cabinets and ship them abroad. And now cabinet shops in the US are going out of business because it's actually cheaper to buy cabinets in France
1: or Germany <laughs> than it is in the US. It's all just Isn't stupid. that like the trick with economics? Like there's never yeah. anything that exists in a vacuum. Every little change you go, Oh, that looks like a really good idea. And then you're not thinking two or three steps down the line, something that's gonna bite you in the butt.
0: Yeah, it's it's um, it's um a special kind of economics. It's uh, anyone, anyone, something D-O-O
1: economics. <laughs> Voodoo economics. All right, that's great. Okay, let's get into uh, what do we have here? Our voicemail. So Barry left us a, a voicemail that just makes me uncomfortable to listen to.
3: <laughs> You'll hear why. Hey, Mark, Matt, and Shannon. I am going to speak in an accent because you said on episode 371 that is the most guaranteed way to get on the show so here goes now fellers i got me here a question because i'm wanting to see about getting me a new sander i got me one of them little five inch round um, random orbit thingers and it, it's only them origins i don't need to tell you the brand because well it's orange but uh i've been i've been reading about them uh, rotex sanders by that festool brand and uh, i just wondered are they magical like unicorns and, and everything like you read on them forums and like them people on the YouTubes that say they is? Now, Shannon, I know you all don't use no sandpaper because you, you use them fancy shiny metal tools, and, and you, what sandpaper is sometimes that question you ask, but I guess this is really then for, for Mark and Matt. What what you all think? Is M-Rotex one of them good things? Is M-Rotex going to make my sanding life easier and make me a happy man? Or, or am I just going to spend a bunch of money and get this green thing It's just going to sand just like my orange thing? So, uh, I hope y'all will answer my question, and I hope that accent got me on there. And if it don't, well, I hope y'all enjoyed it anyway. And um, now that I have insulted everyone in the Appalachian <laughs> region
2: where I actually am
3: from and live, I think I'm done. And I'm not giving my name or anything else because, well... I don't want death threats. You know how that goes. Thanks. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right. So, too bad his name was in the Skype message. Like, I know uh, what his name was. I think I said already, Barry. I won't give your last name, Barry, though. You'll remain anonymous. Yeah. Sure. Okay. So, what are we talking about here? I I, I had to listen to it like three times before I actually heard the question. They're they're like <laughs> unicorns. That if
0: you pull the dust collection hose off, the dust is actually rainbow colored. That's right. So <laughs> yes, there is
1: that it's more expensive dust. <laughs> Uh, all right. So the Rotex, I mean, I'm, I'm a little bit bullish on the position of the Rotex in the market. I don't think most people need it. I think if you're doing a lot of rough stock and maybe refinishing projects, that's where I find that I use mine. If I've got to, you know, tear down a whole bunch of poly off of a surface, that's a great way to do it. Think of it like a belt sander that you got a little bit more control over. And when you put a low grit on that thing, holy smokes can eat, like seriously eat through some wood. The problem with the Rotex, I find, is it's balance. So that by the time you get to your higher grits and trying to use that as your primary sander, especially if you're not doing refinishing all the time, uh, for me, I'm doing mostly finished sanding, and that process with the Rotex is cumbersome. I don't enjoy it. I like a very uh, centered, balanced sander that's balanced on its own, whether I hold it or not, and then I just have to kind of position it and move it around. Um, So I'm not a fan of it as a general sander for most people. But if you have something where you do have a lot of heavy-duty work that you might normally use a belt sander with, I think it's one of the best ways to aggressively remove material.
0: Well, now, if you were – because he asked specifically about the Rotex, but then he kind of was comparing against the orange thingy, which you know I think if you were to look at one of the ETS models, isn't (laughs) that what they are? The smaller ones, 125 or whatever. Um, If you were to put that out there, what would you say? Uh,
1: Well, that's the thing because the the, the Rotex is the thing that – you look at in the market and you go okay it's different this one is clearly doing something the other sanders aren't doing the sell for most people is going to be a little harder for the ets because it's the same format it does the same thing and one might make the argument that there's less vibration that maybe i don't know the dust collection on it is going to be better there's there's arguments to be made but they're not nearly as strong as a fully functional difference between what one sander can do and what the other can do. So if you want those features, then the Rotex might be, you know, the only game in town and and you'll be happy with it. But I would say yes. Rotex was as
0: close (laughs) as I got to power carving. That thing is pretty sick. It's hard. You put like a 40 grit paper on it and put it on the orbital, not the non-orbital mode, whatever that's called, rotary mode. And it's ridiculous. Yeah. What I imagine that, that power carver thing is that scares you that you have Mark.
1: (laughs) Right. Yeah, Absolutely. (laughs) the, uh, what is it? The Lancelot, uh, chain that's thingamajiggy. what it was. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. I always yeah. found the dust collection to be just a little bit better on the
0: festival, whether as Rotex or ETS mm-hmm. or anything like that. There's no question their Dust extraction is pretty amazing. Cause that's the thing that I hate the most about sanding. I hate that fine dust. It gets everywhere. Yeah. And, um, man, <laughs> you just don't see it with the festival, but I also haven't tried another sander in many, many years. So they may have caught up and figured it out.
1: Could be Matt. What do you think? Have you uh, used the Rotex before?
2: Uh, I've held it at the at like shows, but I do have the, the Triton gyros, which is like kind of the same thing. And I have to agree with you, Mark. It's always, even before I had that thing, I kind of had that same kind of feeling that like I knew that it probably wasn't the best suited for uh, like finish sanding or getting up there in the grits. Mm-hmm. just, the balance is just, not really something I find comfortable. So, but like for like your first grit, like if you have some tear out you got to get rid of, or your planer knives are a little dull and you have kind of a rough surface or whatever mill marks your first uh, pass with your sander for that kind of thing, it goes pretty quick. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's
0: really a two-handed tool. I mean, they've got that little auxiliary handle that screws into the side, and it's a lot more comfortable to use when you put that handle in place. But (laughs) yeah, I don't really see myself with
2: 220-grit paper and two-handed like barreling down on it. The hard thing about that too is like if you lose the balance at all and like it tips a little bit, yep, then you get some serious scratches that you you gotta spend some time getting rid of those things again.
1: Yeah, and that's fine on the lower grits when you're working your way up, but not not when you're on your higher grits. You don't want that. And they always say to throw the vacuum hose over your shoulder and that just kind of gives it a built-in counterbalance and it's like, oh, that's great, but I don't want to have to do that. You (laughs) know what I mean? Like, that's fine. That's the marketing
0: department spinning right there. Yeah, like
1: that's not a feature. (laughs) Um, So I looked up this Triton thing. I thought you said Triton Euros and I'm like looking, uh, Mm, trying to find some Greek food uh, made by Triton. (laughs) So is it this T-G-E-O-S thing? Yeah, the
2: Euros, gear-driven orbital sander. And they want you to
1: actually pronounce it Giro geos? I don't know. I just, you're
0: just I making see making letters. Up. I
2: just say it.
0: You just took their money and run, didn't you? That's all right. <laughs> <Gosh>. <laughs> all
2: right, Mark, you're off the hook. Oh man. Matt's on the
0: spot with
1: his Triton money. That's right. What a sellout. Haven't done that oh. in a while. Oh, that's what we should have our voice guy do. Is a, a clip of doing a sellout line. Oh, that'd be perfect. <laughs> I'm gonna have to call him. Find out if you can do one for us. All right, so if you want to leave us a voicemail like that uh, anonymous guy making fun of Appalachian people, the peoples up that way, uh, leave a voicemail on Skype and our username there is Online, and we will gladly play it on the show or do like he did and actually record it on your phone and just send us the file and it, uh, that actually has the best quality of all. Okay, what do you say we get into emails? Okay. Um, this one here is from Rob. He says, I'm finally gluing up my coffee tabletop which has a plywood center panel in a two-inch hardwood mitered frame. I've deliberately left the hardwood slightly thicker than the plywood, about a 64th, 32nd of an inch. Do you have any tips or tricks for leveling the hardwood with the plywood that minimizes the risk of cutting through the veneer? And obviously that's that's a big problem. Now normally it's not that much scribing of a- Scribing gouge. Oh, uh, uh, what now? A <clears throat> scribing gouge. Okay, that sounds fun.
3: Yeah. Um,
1: If you (laughs) normally have like a a very thin trim, like a quarter inch trim on a piece of plywood, it's a lot easier, right? Because it's mostly, you could reference from the plywood surface, you don't have that much hardwood to remove. In this case, two inches, that's gonna be a little bit more of a headache because whatever you do to remove it, you also run the risk of taking your top out of flat. It's very easy to like round it over or make some kind of a bevel uh, and just you know it can be messy or worst case scenario you burn through your veneer on the tabletop so i think how i would approach that is i would probably take a plane maybe even a block plane doesn't have to be really big and i would carefully you know with the plane starting you know mostly on the plywood side uh push outward on a nice pretty significant angle so you're just slowly working down that edge and you got to take a super, super light cut uh, because you just want to remove the bulk of the stock and just make sure you're not in any position where that block plane can actually tear into your veneers. It's probably going to take a little finesse uh, to do this but ultimately you just want to get as much as you safely can down and then I would say switch to a card scraper because with a card scraper you can keep most of the card scraper on the plywood and put a little bit of uh, blue tape on that, that side so whatever's touching the veneer is protected by tape and then just kind of work it down so it stays nice and flush uh, and then once you get down, even down to a it's, you're basically only going to be able to feel the difference with your finger by that time then you can give it a light sanding and it should come out nice and, and flush but really take your time with it because there's just too many ways that you could jack that up if you're not careful. You guys have any other better ideas than that? No. It's good. I like it. Thank you. Shannon approved. Ding. I, involve planes. <laughs> I like that. I've won upped
2: <laughs> Achievement unlocked. Oh, man. <laughs> All right. This next one is from Rob. It says, when replacing slash upgrading a table saw in your shop, how much should you look to get for the one you're replacing? Should you let it go from bottom dollar or hold up for more? If you're selling, what's your goal? I'm asking in general, but specifically, I'm replacing a Delta contractor saw outfitted with a 52-inch Beesmeyer fence and mobile base. Hmm. So in case anyone's looking for a Delta contractor saw with a 52-inch <laughs> fence, give Rob a call. He's your man. There you go. You get some free that was, advertising. That was crafty,
0: you. Rob. Very crafty. <laughs> Nicely done.
2: <laughs> so like the I've, I've sold a lot of tools in my life. Uh, I've definitely taken the upgrade path as I've acquired my tools. And... My general like formula, if I have one, is if I bought the tool brand new, I usually list it around sixty to eighty percent of that value. It's on if it's gonna be on Craigslist because there's always some haggle room. Someone wants to talk you down or whatever, so maybe closer to eighty. If I bought it used, I list it for at least the price I paid for it, if not more. And usually, again, I'm getting more.
1: Hmm.
2: So, I don't know. I that hate helps. selling tools. Yeah, me too. I hate
1: selling anything. Like I'm trying to sell I tend, that. Uh, I tend
0: to get people a real deal. Cause I'm just like, get it get out it, of here. That's
1: how I am. Yeah. I go for bottom dollar because I just don't want to deal with it. Yeah. People coming to my house, looking at my stuff. You know how <laughs> it is. It's terrible. Eat your bananas. Eat my bananas. All right. Who's are we done? No, Shannon's up. no, not Shannon.
0: quite. Huh. I got a question from Mr. Drow. He says, I've been offered some wood from a walnut tree here locally that is dying from thousand canker disease. From what I can tell, the beetles and fungus only affect the sapwood on the outside, which still leaves the dark hardwood intact. I'm wondering though, if I'm taking a risk by bringing this anywhere near my shop, since it may or may not have those beetles in it. This is This a valid concern with this type of thing, or will it be okay to transport it to my house and then have it milled into slabs? This is, it's a little tricky, um, Mr. Drow. Um, but you are right. The, the infection The thousand canker disease, for those that don't know, is a a combination. It's not it's uh, it's incredibly infectious and it's basically touched uh, coast to coast. Hasn't it all 50 states, but it's pretty dang close. Um, It's a combination of a beetle and a fungus. The beetles actually bore into the wood. And in doing so, actually infect the walnut with a fungus. So it's kind of, it's very fast acting. You can imagine instead of just the beetle eating it alive, the fungus is also rotting it away at the same time. Mm. And it's really wiping out the walnut, specifically just walnut or uh, specifically that genus, the Juglans genus. So like butternut is all susceptible. The various species of walnuts, black walnuts and things like that are all affected. But the beetle really does not move beyond the bark and the cambium layers. Um, the sapwood possibly, but even a lot of people, um, and it's interesting because I was just talking to um a sawmill owner last week about this, and he's not finding them in the sapwood either. Um, what it really comes down to is all the sugary sweet stuff is in the bark and the cambium. There may be a little bit in the sapwood, but again, it depends on when the tree was felled and whether or not the sap was rising. Um, the problem is it's highly infectious and the bark and everything that has the stuff in it, you can't chip it up. And that's what a lot of municipalities are doing. They're Well, first of all, they're chipping the entire tree. Uh, but even if you strip the bark off, you have to burn it. Chipping it still leaves mulch. And these beetles are really small. And the fungus, of course, is really small. Um, and the beetles can actually still continue to bore into like the mulch bark and things like that. So... He says it's local. You need to check, and I would actually recommend going to, I think it's thousandcankerdisease.com, um, and there's actual um, affected maps and that you can drill down into local county level to see where quarantines exist. If it's just kind of down the street, you're probably okay because the infection's probably in your neighborhood already anyway, but it's one of those things you gotta be really careful. You need to get that bark off as soon as possible, and you need to burn that bark. And then to be safe, when you mill that lumber, um, you you should be okay, in the heartwood but you probably want to kiln dry it. You want to get it heat treated. Um, you can air dry it. You might be okay, but is it worth the risk? You know, they're saying at this point that the bug is not transferring into other species. At least they're not finding it in other species, but it might be one of those situations where, you know, it's not like the bug is like, oh, I only like walnut. You know, if it's sitting next to a stack of oak, is it not going to jump to the oak? I don't know. You ask the bug, see what he answers, see what he says. <laughs> so, you know, you want to be careful here. I do think you're okay getting the wood. Just get it kiln dried. Um, build a kiln yourself if you, if you need to, just don't burn your house in doing that. Mm. Um, so yeah, that's the thing. It, it is one of those things where thousand canker, emerald ash borer, powder post. they're all instances where technically the heartwood should be okay. And what we're finding, guys like Matt can actually make a killing on this because the municipalities just are chipping it up. Well, which is actually spreading in this case. It's spreading it even more. <laughs> but they don't, they don't want to deal with it because they don't have a sawmill close by. And because there's a quarantine in place, it's not like they can load it on a truck and ship it off mm-hmm. somewhere. So what they're looking for, if there's a guy that will come to them and mill it, you can get wood for free like crazy. Otherwise, it's going to get chipped up and, and it'll be gone you know that's why people are now calling ash the next american chestnut within five to ten years ash will be gone because they're just cutting it down and and shredding it and you know there's nothing in the heartwood but they don't know any better and there's nobody to come and saw it up for them so moral of the story is go to matt cremona's youtube channel build a bandsaw mill (laughs) put it on wheels hook it up (laughs) right mystery (laughs) machine on the side and solve mysteries and solve Lumble all at the same time make sure I have a great Dane too
1: (laughs) wouldn't would have gotten away with it if it wasn't for you darn kids (laughs) sold Mr. Smithers (laughs) runs the the carnival (laughs) right Alright well you know what we have an extra show that happens after this one and if you're interested in hearing that just go to patreon.com slash woodtalk and sign up for the $4 or higher level and uh, it's our way of saying thank you. You get a little bit and of extra help content.
2: our medical situations.
1: That's right. I mean we're really in a Shit. dire situation here folks and if <laughs> uh, if that doesn't make you feel guilty you're heartless. Oh, So <laughs> <laughs> I love it. All right. All right and uh, right well, let's see. The topic today we're going to talk about is getting over the fear of woodworking with precious wood species. So that should be interesting. She is, my precious all right. so uh, if you want to support the show of course you can do that at Patreon. patreon.com slash woodtalk you can get a woodtalk t-shirt at twwstore.com or you could leave us a review in the iTunes store it costs you nothing but a couple of seconds of your time to go and give us a nice review there and Shannon how about you give him the contact info and we'll get out of here absolutely if you want to find out all
0: the things that Matt can tap if Matt could tap wood what? you can do that on <laughs> Skype <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that, Matt. I appreciate that. You're welcome. Anytime. <laughs> I love you more now. <laughs> Much more than Mark. Oh, Our username wow. on Skype is mm-hmm. Wood Talk Online. Our voicemail is 623-242-5180 or just go to woodtalkshow.com slash contact and leave us a comment there or leave us a question there or whatever. Just send us all the things you could tap. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's... Should do it for the show. You can support us all kinds of ways, but you can go to dot
1: renaissancewoodworker.com, or i itapthat.com. hey Heyo, no. Nice. <laughs> all right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody, and we will catch you next time. Bye.
3: See ya.
0: Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen,